Hello and welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. We are back. It's just Alex and Ryan. And sorry we didn't record last week. We just didn't have a ton to say. Um, either in, uh, you know, takes from the Iowa State game or in the lead up to the Army game. Um, but we'll go over briefly what we thought about Iowa State. Alex, what did you think about Iowa State? Um, can we do this after the Army preview? That's what I think. <laughs> All right, we're we're in army mode, so yeah. Let's just let's just get right into the army review. Um, Twenty-eight, twenty-one overtime win over a service academy. How do we how do we feel about it? I mean, I know me personally. Whenever I walked out of the stadium on Saturday, I felt kind of just disgusting, like it was. I don't know. It was one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had at a football game. Um, like, just the the way that the game turned out, like, could not have been more miserable to me. Yeah. You know, like, the way I look at it is I enjoy OU football most when we're on offense because that's super fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And we just weren't on offense. Yeah. You know, like, we ran 40 plays on offense and so it just genuinely sucked to not get to watch more offense you know and um you know and obviously there was a a reason for us not running more plays like it was all to do with our defense and army's offense um but just overall it just kind of made for a pretty miserable experience unless you're like super into the all the military stuff that they kind of did you know, which I guess, you know, that could have been cool, but yeah. um, I don't know. I just I didn't enjoy. I did not enjoy my time there on Saturday, is what I will say. Yeah, I was. Um, I this was my first watching experience um, with the in the company of the OU Club of Portland, um, meeting at <laughs> Nicoli's um, Sports Bar and Grill down in Lake Oswego. Um, so this was a bad first impression of that whole thing. Um, because, like you said, it was just such a slog. Like, there was so little and so... And it, it's so weird what is, to say this about a win. But... Um, yeah. It is, Can I ask, what is the demographic of your of the OU club up there? Oh, uh, it's... Um, I, there's a... Fairly, it's diverse in age. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's people of all ages at that, and it was um, obviously it being a pay per view game meant that they had a bigger turnout than usual. Um, right, right. Is that why you went? Yes, that is why I went because I was not about to spend sixty dollars <laughs> to watch this game. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I just. My uh, experience at the game, there, there are a lot of older gentlemen that I sit around mm-hmm. in the upper deck over there. But some of like some of the just hilarious like fit sound. They sounded like children throwing a fit <laughs> watching this defense try to defend. You know, well, yeah. it's like it was it was. Like that was kind of funny at times, but it was also kind of stressful because I was like inwardly feeling these things, you know. So yeah. Um, 
But yeah. <laughs> but okay, let's. Yeah. The game. Let's start with you, um, kind of talking about, you know, what what do you think the issue was? We're gonna, obviously we're going to spend a lot of time on defense. What do you think the issue defensively was? It is. I mean, it's hard to say something. It's hard to speak with authority on this, right? But to me, watching, I oftentimes felt like the defense was reacting. You know, there was a um, there was a sense that they had to wait and see where the ball was before they could attack. Um, and it just it felt like they weren't really you know they weren't prepared. They weren't ready to go play assignment defense and kill an option. Um, they just, I don't know. To me, that's it. To me, it wasn't individual errors or anything. It was just, they were slow to the point of attack. The, um, you know, the army line was able to get pushes with cut blocks because everyone was just waiting to see where the ball was going to go first. Right. And, you know, I think another thing that kind of illustrates that is that, you know, we saw Kenneth Murray set a school record with 28 tackles and Curtis Bolton set a school record with 23 tackles. Yeah. But none of those tackles were like impressive plays. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a lot of situations, it was like, oh, I'm here. Now let me grab onto this guy and he's going to drag me a little bit or he's at least going to fall forward for an extra yard or two. Yeah. Um, so it, I just, it was like the least aggressive defense I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And I think another thing you talked about, it was relatively assignment sound in the sense that Army never busted a big play on us, you yeah. know, which so I guess, you know, you could look at that as a good thing. You know, there wasn't busts down the field. Even when they tried to pass the ball, there wasn't openings down the field where guys were just you know, playing the run too heavily. Like, I guess, you know, from that standpoint, it was a solid performance. But the fact that, you know, it was just massive kind of just made it suck a lot. Yeah. Well, it's just, I can't, I mean, obviously, yeah, we contain big plays. But I can't really give them, give, you know, the defense props for that when, Army, the nature of the option is that if you can run the dive every time and it works, you're content. That's the point. Um, the the uh, like the ability to break out big plays um, is fine, but like I mean, Army loves holding the ball for 45 minutes like they did this game. We let them do their game plan, and it almost and we almost lost because of it. We did, they, only at the very end of the game did it feel like Army had to do anything to adjust off of their, like, option, like, and I say option, but, you know, their primary goal of the day on offense. Like, they, they never had to go back to the drawing board and come up with something different. It just, what they wanted to do worked every time. Yeah, no, I mean, it, that was that was a concern. Um, one thing that I noted after the game, they talked to the 
Army coach, and they asked, you know, what do you think about the OU defense? And he kind he just kind of said like that he was surprised that we came out in the kind of defense that we played because yeah. we were in a base three four defense for the entire game. Like yeah. at no point were we in nickel. Uh, Justin Broyles played zero snaps in this game, and it just like in what he said is that well we play a three four so we've seen that defense a ton you know yeah. so we're extremely comfortable going up against that kind of defense you know yeah and so I mean I think that you know you could look at that as as being a flawed thing but it on the other hand would were we supposed to go out there and nickel and defend this offense you know I mean um, I, I I I mean the counter to that is that. Like when you're playing army, you don't have to worry about size. You're bigger. Like we're probably, like, we'd probably have the mass advantage if we went out in the dime. You know. Right. Yeah. And well, and, and I, I think one thing, you know, at least try it. You know, <laughs> that's is the my, other is thing. My thing. Is maybe try it. It's um, you know like. And that, that was a big frustration because not only were we in the same uh, formation just every time with both our outside linebackers just kind of squeezed in on the end of the lines. And it was it was basically a 5-2, you know, defense Yeah. with two out, our outside linebackers acting as defensive ends really is what it seemed like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it just didn't yeah. work. Yeah, um, well, but, to me, it's like we went like – you, you like you mentioned the five two. It's like we decided, you know, in order to defend the triple option, let's use a defense that was invented around the same time. Like instead right. of instead of serving up looks and formations that complicate things, like that's the other thing is that the the whole point of that offense is it's based on reads that the is, that the quarterback's making, and if you show him the same lineup, you know, this every every down then his reads are simple right yeah well and that's that's probably one of the reasons why as the game goes you know you can make some small adjustments but the quarterback is still you know reading the same keys every play and you know so as the game progressed you know he's learning probably just you know just as much as you are on every play yeah you know so it, it 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 makes it really tough Another thing that I, I just I don't understand, and it's been kind of two games in a row, is we are not rotating our defense at all. Um, yeah. And Which, I'm not saying that we need to be rotating every position. But, like... Um, but well, def- defensive line, mm-hmm. they're playing too many snaps, just straight up. Yeah, they are. Well, the Army had a literal stable of fullbacks, right? They were swapping out fullbacks at every opportunity that they could. We we weren't in situations where we need where we couldn't substitute. We could have substituted every play if we wanted. Right. Yeah, and I don't know, you know, with the Iowa State game, I kind of was like, well, you know, we're on the road. It's the first road game. That they, they don't want to rotate many guys up front. Ronnie Perkins didn't play much. Mm-hmm. In this game, maybe they're thinking – well, they're getting a like full forty seconds rest between every play, so they shouldn't be tired or something. Um, and my, I just, I don't like the way they they operated in that way. Like basically, yeah. on the defensive line, Dylan Famatao and Faamatau, 
something. I heard him say it the other day, and I already forgot how he said it. So number 91, Dylan, good friend of mine, um, and Neville Gallimore, were, they were rotating. And then every now and then they would put Dylan over in for Monty Bledsoe. And then Ronnie Perkins played like five snaps. But that was it. Yeah. There were there were five guys that played on the D line. And really it was mostly just four. Mm-hmm. And like those dudes, I guarantee you after the game, were exhausted. Yeah. You know, and I it just to me, if you, you, you look at the way that game is going, you know, it's not going well. At least, you know, have guys you know, maybe if guys are fresher at the end of the game, it can go better then, you know, like yeah. maybe sacrifice a little bit in the first half when nothing's working anyways. to like maybe in the fourth quarter, Kenneth Mann will be a little bit fresher. Monty Bledsoe will be a little bit fresher. Yeah. Um, to where you can maybe make some more plays late in the game. Yeah. And it's, um, it, yeah. instead it's these like these five guys had to spend had to spend 45 minutes of people diving at their knees. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I can't imagine what they are feeling like today. You yeah. know, think about Kenneth Murray and Curtis Bolton, too. Like, those dudes oh, yeah. have to just be ridiculously tired. But, um, Murray tackled 28 dudes. That's yeah. so many. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, so it's pretty many. crazy. Um, I just, and the way I look at it is, I just, he had 28 tackles. I, thought he was fine like it but it was such a reactionary thing that it di- it didn't look that impressive to me you know what i mean yeah well it's like, like it wasn't like oh he's everywhere making plays no it's they got to the second level every time right and they were funneling things to him that's where when their offense is working things are going to go to the middle linebacker or yeah. the inside linebackers that's just going to yeah. happen and this is so i don't yeah. know i mean to me this is the crux of it is that Individual performances tonight, or yet last night, were fine. There were very few mistakes. But the game plan being executed wasn't good enough. Right. Yeah, and, you know, I... Look. We, as a unit, tackled decently well. And that was one of the biggest concerns coming out of the Iowa State game. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think we missed 13 tackles in that game, or at least that's like a pro football focus number that I, that I saw. And I think the number was seven in this game. Yeah. And there was really only a couple times where like Khalil Houghton just like tried to body check a dude and it didn't work, you know, like yeah. there was the one play where the quarterback kind of spinned out of like three guys' tackles or something, you know, but overall it was fine. So is that something that you look at as a positive from this performance? The fact that like we at least tackled better than Iowa State. Uh, yeah, I think you, I think you could say that. Um, though again, I mean, so I'm assuming our listener base understands this, but Army's like Army's players are small, right? And I guess right. it's not so much on this on the skill positions where they would. It, like, really, this shows up on the line more than anywhere else. But the point is, like, yeah. Army players, A, they're not super high-star recruits, and B, like, they have very strict weight requirements because they have to pass PT exams because they are in the military. Um, and so, like, 
yeah, I would expect us to be able to tackle them. Yeah, no, that's kind of where I lean. Like, I, I don't really take it as much of a positive. I was just trying to come up with something, you know, to kind of take from this game. Um, but I, I, I don't take it that much as a positive because we're most of the game, you know, we're trying to tackle a big white fullback. You know, like you shouldn't miss tackles on a big white fullback. Mm. Um, you know, so yeah, no, I agree um, there. Um, now let's let's talk about at the very end of the game. Mm-hmm. Should we give them any credit for, or how much credit do they deserve for forcing turnovers on their last two possessions? Um, well, the last one, none at all. That was. A completely meaningless pick of which Parnell Motley is becoming the master of. Well, I mean, but like the the idea that like either way, that's a turnover on downs. You know, like yeah. they were basically sacking the quarterback when he threw the ball, so like that was forced. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, they they s- stepped up in a big way at the end, and mm-hmm. I am. I mean, this happened against Texas last year, too. You know? These... It happened multiple times last year. Like, how many gets Baylor? Yeah. You know? Yeah. We played a horrible game, but then Oboe kind of came through on the last possession. So yeah. it was like, oh, cool, the defense you know, got to stop when it mattered. Yeah. Well, it's uh, just... We... How many times is a defensive player's superhuman collapse from exhaustion performance going to be enough to say that Mike Stoops still has a job (laughs) like it is Kenneth Murray shouldn't have so we we just yeah do we just want to go into this now the the Mike Stoops stuff we might as well like we might as well um so I want to say I want to start this by saying that I don't necessarily think that this performance is indicative of future performances because it really isn't. Yeah. You know, I think I sent you a, a message earlier today of the last time OU played a um, service school, and it was Air Force in 2010. Air Force, the statistics looked very similar. The game was very close. Yeah. Um, I mean, the you know the way it pl- kind of played out was a little different. The Air Force made a comeback in the fourth quarter. Um, but, you know, numbers-wise, they controlled the clock. They had over 400 yards, over 300 yards rushing. It was similar, and OU barely squeaked it out. Um, so I don't – and our defense was fine in 2010. Like, it, you know, they played well for the most part in 2010. Yeah. Um, so I don't necessarily think that this is any indication of how, like, Baylor is going to go next week. No. You know I what I mean? Like, for all – I think we are – you know, and we are built to defend teams like Baylor, and we are de- built to defend teams of the Big Twelve. And I honestly think that that was one of the reasons why we looked so mediocre and just kind of bland in this game was they didn't want to change their defense for one game. You know, they kind of yeah. tried to go with like the bare minimum scheme this week, and they were just like, "Our athletes will figure it out." Is kind of what I am led to believe based on how this game went. Yeah. Um. Um, <laughs> so now that brings me to my point about with, with my stoops. Um, mm-hmm. That's not good enough. Yeah. Like I can't, 
I think that is what happened. I can't accept that as something that is good enough for the University of Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you knew you were going to play this team all offseason. Did you really think, well, we're not really going to worry about it right now. We're just, we'll we'll kind of, you know, piece something together. No, like, I feel like during the offseason, you kind of have to piece together a game plan even at that point because it's not like they're going to freaking change, you know? Like, you know what Army is. Yeah, and... Like, I understand that fundamentally the way it presents itself is very different, but it's the principle, like, Paul Johnson calls his offense a spread offense, right? He, like, he is the only jerk in the universe who thinks this way, but he he, he looks at what his, what his offense does at Georgia Tech and what its children at Air Force and Army and Navy do and says, yeah, that's spread. Look at how the line is set out. That's a spread offense. And, like, fundamentally, the principles behind defending the option are applicable to a lot of modern spread concepts in terms of individual assignments and accountability in those assignments, making sound tackles in space. Right. And no matter who you're playing defensively, like... You're, you have to get your defense to be able to be aggressive when they're executing a scheme. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if your defense is out there being completely reactionary every play, yeah. that's, on, that's on the coaches. And like pretty big indictment on Mike Stoops, not just him, but the defensive staff's ability to teach players schemes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even if – Yes, we probably should have been able to just shut them down, beat them with a base scheme, but you have to do that in an aggressive fashion. You have to execute that scheme well, and we did not execute the scheme that they put together well mm-hmm. and do it with any kind of aggression at all. You yeah. know what I mean? And, okay, I'm going to go here even though it's not totally fair, but Clemson played Georgia Tech yesterday, and that's a conference opponent. Right, so obviously they have to be, like they have to prepare for this every other year or every other three years. The ACC is weird. Um, It's Georgia Tech was lucky to score in that game. They like demonstrably, tremendously lucky to have scored in that game. The final score was forty-nine to twenty-one. The turnover margin versus expected was like four point seven in Georgia Tech's favor. a turnover statistically um, is worth about five points. So, like, if and turnovers are essential, getting turnovers is essentially luck. There's so many things that can happen this way or another, especially if they're fumbles. Um, that you have to look at this as Georgia Tech scored 21 points and was essentially spotted 25. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah, so that's what Brent Venables did yesterday um, yeah. <laughs> against athletes that are probably of a higher caliber than an army. And Clemson's defensive yeah. line is like it's not fair to compare our line to theirs because Clemson's line shouldn't even be as good as Clemson's line is. They've somehow figured out how it is how to teach players to hate money. Um, 
but still, like, that's what the guy we fired is doing. Right. Yeah, I just, and I, if it wouldn't be as big of a deal to me if I hadn't, if I've seen this defense look this reactionary against normal offenses that we play on a week in week out basis. Yeah. You know, so seeing it as much as we did on Saturday, you know, like you can kind of make this, well, this is just a one week thing, but it hasn't been a one week thing over the years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just, this is something that's been pretty common throughout the entire tenure of Mike Stoops. Yeah. It's like, the answer to, like, moving, like, taking the white fullback off the field and moving the quarterback to where he's standing doesn't make it any better if you're waiting to see where the ball is before you start moving. Like, fundamentally, that's still a problem. Like, it doesn't matter if the third option is a pitch or a slant. Like, you need to be, you need to be aggressive, you need to understand your assignment, and you need to be able to execute it. Um and we just didn't today. And I'm worried that we'll be playing a team that's actually got the athletes to, you know, hang with us for four quarters, and it'll be the same thing. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, You know, and I've been, I've tried to be positive about what we're going to see from our defense this year. Um, I can't, you know, I have never... I've been on the Mike Stoops should not be the defensive coordinator at OU train for a while, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, pretty much since, you know, midway through last year, I was kind of on that train. And then after the Rose Bowl, I didn't think there was any way he could be the defensive coordinator again. Um, And so, like, I've been positive about this defense, but, you know, seeing how they looked on Saturday, it was, it just, it looked like every OU defense we've seen. Um, maybe a little bit more sound in terms of their assignments, like they were at least in position, but they just, they didn't look as athletic as they are. And that's a huge problem. Like we have athletes all over the field on defense. We have our, our state, like, sorry. Our entire secondary is basically corners, so they should be super, super fast and athletic. Yeah. They didn't look that way on Saturday. They weren't flying to the ball. They were either getting blocked or they just were late getting places. Yeah. Our linebackers, Kenneth Murray is a freakish athlete. Mm-hmm. Neville Gallimore is a freakish athlete. We have great athletes. Ryan Jones is a freak athlete, and he looked, he looked slow on Saturday. He looks slow and weak. And that just is not something that I'm going to just, I'm not putting that on the players. No. You know what I mean? No. Like, and this is the thing. It is, Kenneth Murray tackled 28 people. Well, he (laughs) tackled probably the same four or five people 28 times. But still, like, that is astonishing. That is a thing that no player at the University of Oklahoma has ever done before. It's, more than you can ask of a player and he did it and so this isn't on him this can't be on him i've seen what he is capable of like i have talked about how when he gets 
the you know when he gets an understanding of where the play is going, he is like a heat-seeking missile, and that wasn't that just wasn't the case yesterday, and it's not him, you know. Right. Yeah, and I I can only live with the we need better players thing for so long. Uh, let's talk about Lincoln and his role in the defense. We'll talk about the offense here in a bit, but yeah. I. Should I be concerned about Lincoln's the way he has kind of treated the defense on this team? In that, like, he, I don't know, it just seems like every situation in which he can make an excuse for Mike Stoops, he does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like um, I mean, remember last year, we're talking after the Rose Bowl, and Lincoln is throwing out. Well, you know, if you look at the defense we played leading up to that, it was actually really good, you know. Mm-hmm. And I guess technically true, but like I I can't see how I I there was some of those games like I just was not comfortable, you know. There were times when TCU moved the ball really well against us last year, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um so to kind of lean on that has concerned me for a while. And then he talks about, well, we just we had to upgrade our players. You know, you looked at what Georgia had out there, and there was just a different kind of player out there on defense. Mm-hmm. And while that is true, it also sounds like an excuse to me. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where, you know, we did upgrade our players. We added a five-star phenom defensive back, you know, our – linebackers are way way better this year like we did upgrade our players and against FAU and against UCLA it showed it hasn't showed the past two weeks it hasn't so you know I have to like at this point I have to ask like yeah when is it actually going to be when are we going to say it's not the players anymore because maybe to some degree last year it was right the, you know, strictly speaking, like, we talk about the blue chip ratio. We weren't there last year. We're there this year. We have the players. We have been recruiting at a championship level. And it should show. It should show against Army that we're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you could make the argument last year that some of the upperclassmen, they just weren't. They weren't great, like Emmanuel Beal. We talked. We talked a lot about him. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Stephen Parker wasn't really that good. Jordan Thomas was obviously bad. Um. So I don't know if maybe that's kind of what he's kind of leaning into, but mm-hmm. I don't. I I'm at this point wondering what it's going to take, and maybe Lincoln is. You know, I, and we wouldn't hear about this if if he did. Maybe he's super pissed at Mike Stoops today. You know, yeah. like maybe he yelled at him whenever they got back in the locker room. I don't know. And we wouldn't know because Lincoln yeah. Riley's going to keep all that stuff behind closed doors. Like that's just how he does things. Yeah. But in terms of what we've seen from the actual actions taking place on the defensive staff and throughout the entire staff, we I don't think we have any choice but to believe what he says to the media about yeah. this because that's what his actions have been. You know what I mean? And yeah. cuz I just I look at 
if you can find a way to justify keeping Mike Stoops after last year, he's going to be able to find a way to justify keeping him every year. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm guaranteeing you that is the case. And as long as we keep winning, because he always like, what does Lincoln Riley always say? He always talks about when we need the stops, we get them. You know, that's yeah. always what he's leaned on. And you know, sure, if your offense is as good as ours seemingly has been, or as seemingly is going to be, maybe that will continue be, to be the case. But I'm I'm growing a little bit concerned that this might just be what we are stuck with. Um, because yeah. I think Lincoln Riley's a freaking genius on mm-hmm. offense, and I think he's a really good football coach. He might be too nice to make this decision that needs to be made. I don't know. Yeah, well, this and this is, I mean, and this is honestly pretty damning um, because this came from a rival coach. Um, this is like, I'm going to keep going back to this all year, that in the anonymous interviews with Big 12 coaches that Athlon conducted, one of the points that one of the coaches brought up about Oklahoma was that they felt for Lincoln Riley because, because the guy who handed him his job's brother isn't good at his job. And he's, yeah. just, and he's stuck with that. A rival coach said that. Now, it was under the condition yeah, no, of that's pretty, But, like, pretty that crazy. is, in coaching circles, that is the opinion of Mike Stoops. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, if you look at the way the offense played in this game, I think Lincoln Riley knows that he can't trust his defense. Yeah. Because what the look at the last drive before, you know, we're heading into overtime. I think there's a certain amount of him that's like, we need to score with no time left. I think that's what Lincoln was thinking the entire drive. Yeah. You know, and if if we have a great defense, you don't have to worry about that. You just need to think, oh, we need to score. That's yeah. it. But I think Lincoln has to throw in the factor of we need to score, but we need to score as time expires because I don't trust the defense to get the job done mm-hmm. on, you know, if they get the ball back. Yeah. Um, and I, like the if you look at the way OU kind of operated on that last drive, you know, a lot of people were complaining about the pace in which we kind of operated. I honestly have learned to trust Lincoln Riley in pretty much every situation. Yeah. I was a little <laughs> bit more concerned about the play calling on that drive just oh, yeah. because it was, you know, it kind of once we got inside the 30, I think we could have thrown all day on them and scored. Yeah. And I we agree. showed that in overtime. Yeah. But Lincoln was like, oh, we're going to run the ball. And he, you know, he trusts Austin Seibert. He trusted Austin Seibert against Iowa State, and it worked. Mm-hmm. At the time when Austin Seibert went on the field, I was super confident. I thought, he's going to make this kick. We're going to get out of here, and everything's fine. Um, and he trusted Austin Seibert just a little bit too much. But I think that the defense played a role in that. Yeah. I think the fact that it was, I can't just break a 60-yard touchdown right here. Because we need to help our defense, mm-hmm. you know, and I that that's not a way to operate a team. Like to me, if your offense is good enough to score, just go score. Yeah. You know what I mean? If your offense can't be helping out your defense, that just can't be the way it runs, you know. Right. Well, and if you look at the beginning of the second half, too, we got that three and out. And what does Lincoln do? He just immediately is like, all right, we have to score to get this separation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we really, really needed it, and that could have probably changed the way the second half went overall if we could have gotten that two-score lead. Um, 
But I don't know the kind of the way it kind of operated. It seemed like it, you know, at that point, Lincoln was thinking, oh, we've got to score now. Yeah. You know what I mean? To get this because our defense, we finally got a good stop. If we score quickly, we'll have every, all the momentum that we need and we'll just be able to blow them out from here. You know, and yeah. I just, you know, I think Lincoln calls his offense with the defense in mind. And I think that's doing a disservice to how good Lincoln Riley is as an offensive coordinator yeah. and how good this offense could be. Yeah. Well, you think think about um, the fourth and goal. Um, now, obviously, you expect to be able to get it in if you're if it's one yard against Army. But like. You know, we didn't kick a field goal there and. It's got to be at least partially that it wasn't going to be enough in Lincoln's mind. That kicking a field goal there meant that we would lose this game. I tend I tend to agree with that as well. Like obviously, I think you know we we have some stuff to figure out in short yarded situations. We are now zero for two yeah. this year on fourth and ones um, in critical situations, and we've got to get that figured out because that's gonna be an issue at some point this year where it actually costs us a game if we can't do it yeah um but yeah i think that you know i for sure i kicking a field goal never crossed my mind because i at that time i was like yeah field goal is not enough mm-hmm. you know and you know now when we got stopped i was also like that was the first time that i was like oh crap we could actually lose because they could legitimately run this entire clock out and kick a field goal as time expires yeah um, before our defense finally made their first stop of the set or their, I guess their second stop of the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that is something else to consider. And I, that just kind of further perplexes me because, you know, to me as, as Lincoln Riley, I would be, if, if your offense can be as good as his offenses can be, you should just want to be dominant in every way, yeah. you know, because and you can, because yeah. you can dominate. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, there was an aspect of this game that was, and it's funny because given, like, the differences in the sort of teams we were playing, but you think back to 2016 Texas Tech, where it's just like, the offense is just, it's just like, sorry, be perfect, or we'll lose. Um, right. And. Yeah. No, that was, uh, that was my thought during this game was like, crap, we've got to score every time. You yeah. You know? Yeah. It's and so you can't that just can't be what an offense has to be, you know, because sometimes things go wrong. And yes, sometimes the second half of the Rose Bowl happens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Um, let's talk about the offense now. Let's shift over. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked what I saw for the most part. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. The possessions that we didn't score you know obviously we had the two possessions at the end of the game where we should have scored but you know we got stuffed inside the one and then we missed the field goal yeah um so that wound up i mean we didn't score in the second half you know mm-hmm. um but with the exception of that drive right before halftime we moved the ball down the field incredibly easily yeah and we just didn't come away with as many points as we should have i honestly feel extremely similarly this year as I did to last year's offense at this time, because this, at this time last year, the same thing was happening. We were struggling to get as many points as we really deserve to get. 
Um, you know, like we had the Kansas State game, all of those games where I was like, crap, man, we moved the ball the whole game. But it was just these little things that kept us from scoring points, yeah. you know. And it's just little things kept us from scoring 35 or 42 points in a game that we had like seven possessions in. Yeah. You know, like we could have legitimately scored all but one possession in this game Mm -hmm. and we just didn't, you know, and that's not something that I am super concerned about in all honesty. Like I think, I think Kyler has shown that he's good enough that he's going to get it figured out. I think it just is a matter of, all 11 guys on the field doing their job at all times. Yeah. And it just hasn't happened yet this year, but we're, I think we're getting closer. You know, I think I've seen improvement in that way. Now, like the, the Ford Atlantic game, I think is an outlier. It was just a perfect storm for us. Yeah. Um, We had, you know, the block punt and all that stuff, but otherwise I think I've seen improvement every game since that UCLA game, you know, And I think I think we're getting close to playing some really good offense. Now, the thing is, in two weeks, we have to play Texas and our offense is going to have to play really, really well there. Yeah. You know, like at this time, you know, Texas game last year, we did the same thing. We left a ton of points on on the field. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's the potential of of that same kind of thing happening. Hopefully we can get it figured out a little bit quicker. Yeah. um, This year. But I, I think at some point this year our offense is basically just going to be able to name the score. Yeah. Something that got me excited about the offense this game is that Carson Meyer is, and I wish Nathan was here for this, but Carson Meyer is starting to be used in Dimitri Flowers-esque ways, right? Yeah. No, he had the, that pot pass over the top, you know, to him in the first half. That would look, that was very Dimitri-esque. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's really tall, too. So, I mean, there's even some aspects that he can kind of take advantage of that Dimitri couldn't, you know. Yeah. Where you um, can just kind of throw up and let him go get it. And that's one of those things, like, the way that the offense used Dimitri in the past, like, three years has been incredible. Um, it was such an it, – it combined with Baker to be such an X factor. Um, and, like – the fact that Carson is developing those skills and we're using him in those ways, just to me, that means like, yeah, this offense is making strides. Concepts are being unlocked that are like, there is potency in the future, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Offensively, the only thing I'm really concerned about is the running back rotation. Yeah. Um, You know, I I don't think this game is a good example because we ran 40 plays and there just wasn't really... Yeah, there wasn't really an opportunity to rotate backs at all. Yeah, um, we did to get we did get some good TJ Pledger at points. Yeah, I mean we played some two back stuff and he caught a pass. Um, but as far as TJ Pledger being the only running back on the field, didn't happen. Yeah, uh, we'll see how that progresses against Baylor. You know, I think I would expect Marcellia Sutton to be back for that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think we're, we're going to need somebody besides Trey Sermon to, to step up because, like, I've watched the guy for, you know, going, you know, this is his second year, and there are going to be games where he's not effective. You know, like, I think that is something I'm comfortable saying with him is that mm-hmm. there are just going to be teams that are bad matchups, and we need somebody that hits the hole faster than he does. You know, I love watching Trey Sermon run. I think he's great. Yeah. 
but he there has to be something else. He can't be the only running back that we rely on. Otherwise, our running game gets easier to defend. Yeah. Um, from a running back standpoint, Kyler makes it easier because Kyler's so freaking fast and good. Yeah, uh, we could probably figure it out with him, but I would like to have another running back that plays differently that we can rely on. Yeah, well, the thing with Trey Sermon is that he's such a good second running back, right? Like, yeah, he's a brilliant changeup back in the same ways that a changeup is a brilliant second pitch. <laughs> like, he is like it. It is the same principle essentially. Is just like he takes you by surprise because he's not what you expected. And then, yeah, yeah. Well, and it just he was such a good compliment to Rodney because Rodney is is just the total opposite. Yeah, you know he hit a hole. He ran like Rodney Anderson probably ran harder than any running back I've ever seen, other than maybe Adrian Peterson. Like that guy was a freaking monster, and he was fast when he got in the open field. He but Trey Sermon. Herman came in and he's dancing around and like finding holes that maybe Rodney wasn't even finding. And it was just a different thing for the defenses to have to, to prepare for. And he really thrived. I thought he looked great this week, but also like, again, we're playing army. Like their D line is real small. Yeah. You know, they're, he should have looked really great against army and our offensive line blocked. Well, you know, for the most part, our offensive line, anytime we ran the ball, they they did their job. Like, mm-hmm. they did fine. Um, Kyler Murray took one sack, but that was, I think, maybe even more of a coverage sack than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought this was maybe the offensive line's best performance of the season. In, um, you know, a matchup that they should dominate, they did basically what I thought they should do. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Cody Ford, I thought this might have been his best game. I really liked watching him play. He was kind of murdering people, and that's fun. So, um, but anyways, yeah. anything else with this Army game, or do we want to just, like, never speak of it again? And I'm so pissed that we're playing them again. Like, oh, I never want to yeah. play another triple oh, option yeah. team. I'm so excited that we're playing them in West Point. That's great. That's good. Good scheduling. Um, yeah, I'm... It's it's a good thing that most people only saw the overtime of this game broadcast on Twitch via someone's phone, because yeah. <laughs> I never want to hear about it ever again. Yep. Yeah, I haven't. Like, I, I usually will watch highlights of games like a lot. You mm-hmm. know, I watch it four or five times. I'm not gonna watch highlights of this game. Yeah. You know, like I just it was it was horrible. Like I hated it. I hated this game so much. All right, let's go to Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, We've talked about it a little bit already, but I think, you know, people kind of freaked out after the Iowa State game, and it's going to sound kind of weird. I kind of wish we had done a pod because I had prepared some tape. I had some thoughts about it. Yeah. Um, But they were all like, I don't think it was as bad as it seemed takes, and those seem less good now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's fundamental. Like the problems with the defense against Iowa State were fundamentally different than the problems here. Like the problem with the defense against Iowa State was like Parnell Motley had maybe the most personally embarrassing series of plays that could occur in a single drive, and like Hakeem right. Butler is really tall and strong and fast, and Khalil Houghton yeah. can't tackle. Like, <laughs> and that yeah. was it. And that's like seventy yeah. percent of of Iowa State's you know offensive production was those three factors right 
Yeah, no, I thought from an, you know, overall our defensive line defended the run really well. David Montgomery, like he had some good runs, but David Montgomery is really freaking good. He's going to do that a little bit. Yeah, he's, um, but I, we held him under, yeah, we held him under 90 yards. Like we didn't let him kill us, you know, catching passes or anything. You know, overall we defended the screen game extremely well. So from that standpoint, it was solid. And I think, you know, kind of relating it to the Army game, there weren't really, other than Parnell Motley's second play, or the one where he let the white guy get behind him, mm-hmm. <laughs> there weren't really busts on defense, right? Like, it was just it was, guys yeah. in position didn't make tackles, you yeah. know? And to me, or, like, I know, like, Trey Norwood in the first quarter, he slipped while he was pursuing a guy, and he missed a tackle because of it. Like, there wasn't... Like, oh, dudes were just out of positions everywhere. Like, it just wasn't that, you know. And so from that standpoint, I was I was actually encouraged by what I saw in that Iowa State game from that standpoint. Because yeah. last year, our defense, just at that point, this point last year, was they there were mistakes everywhere on the field. You could see them everywhere. And yeah. um, that just wasn't the case. And so from that standpoint, cool. Like, it was it was fine. Um I don't know how well that holds up after what we saw. Like, you yeah. know, maybe you could say that, well, they fixed the tackling issues against Army. Or, well, for the but they just weren't put Motley in similar positions at all. So football. it's kind of hard to say that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, offensively against Iowa State, I tweeted at halftime that that was one of the best halves I've ever seen from a quarterback and from Kyler Murray. Like, yeah. he was awesome. Yeah. Um, he just had complete and total control. Like there were, you know, I, I tweeted that right after we ran that trick play with where we pitched it back to Kyler and he like checked it down to AD Miller. Like I was just like, that's awesome. Yeah. No, that's incredible. Um, yeah. Like most quarterbacks are throwing that ball down the field to Marquise Brown or CD lamb and just letting him go get it, you know, even if they're not open, but Kyler looked for him and he hit AD Miller who was open, you know? So it was, I thought that was fantastic. The second half, you know, there were a lot of things that were kind of fluky that kept the offense from really getting going. Like if I think about that first drive, we have a bust on the end of the offensive line. We lose six yards on a play and that put us behind schedule. And then on third and long, we should have completed the pass, but Marquise Brown kind of defended it. And, you know, because <laughs> yeah. C.D. Lamb was about to catch the ball. Yeah. And Marquise Brown knocked it down. So, I don't know. Like, I just yeah. – I think things were really close to clicking offensively. You know, first quarter, Grant Calcaterra fumbles. If oh, yeah. he doesn't fumble, we probably go down and score and go up 17-3 to three mm-hmm. instead of on the very next play they, they tie the game up. You know what I mean? So, yeah. overall, I was – fine like we went up to Ames and won by 10 you know yeah that was and like I, I thought that was a decent performance you know yeah Iowa State low-key is actually maybe pretty good um my opinion of them changes literally every year every week um right like I mean they've got a pretty good defense and like they have dudes in skill positions like and they're not afraid to be like all right we're just gonna attempt a guys being dudes play every down for the entire game and hopefully yeah. it works like yeah that's absolutely yeah that's true yeah Hakeem Butler yeah I will say I mean 
I don't know what he did against Akron, but he didn't do jack squat against Iowa. Yeah. You know, so we potentially made him look way better than he actually is. Yeah. Um, but I mean, at the very least, he's a physically imposing guy who has some size to him. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think of, of other things that happened in that game. Um, that's, you know, yeah. Um, I just, I really wish Rodney Anderson wasn't hurt. I agree. I really agree. Dang it. Like I, I would have literally zero concerns about the offense. Like I would be like, Oh, we're going to get to a point where we're going to score as many, just, you know, it's just, we're going to be unstoppable in every yeah. way. We can choose um, the, the time and place and method of scoring on any given drive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, I miss Rodney. Um, yeah. Like, I guess the last thing about the Iowa State thing is, you know, get used to seeing weird things on kickoffs. Teams, I think, I really feel like teams are still feeling out the best way to approach the new um, the new kickoff rule with the fair catch. Um, right. What Iowa State tried wasn't it. That was bad. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, bad I job don't them. know. I guess they were just scared of Trey Brown. Is that kind of what? Well, I mean, it, well it's, I, I guess they thought, you know, well, because kicking it, you know, kicking it to the one now is like effectively still a touchback. So they were like, well, maybe like, I, I think it was like, they were trying to solve a math equation experimentally. Mm-hmm. Just like, is the likelihood of an up man fumbling high enough? That is it, it is high enough? Giving them another five yards. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, if you could do it a little further back, maybe that, you know, but we were getting up to like the 35, 40 yeah. on that kind of stuff. So it wasn't working, but um, I don't know. I, I will be excited to have Trey Brown back because he is a better kickoff returner than Buki. Just being <laughs> honest. Yeah, I like Buki, uh, but I am not. He's a decent kick returner, but he's not as explosively fast as. As Trey Brown. Yeah. <laughs> so, anything else from from our last couple weeks? Do we kind of want to wrap it up? Um, do we want to talk about Baker at all? Yeah. No, I was. Yeah, we, we can close with that for sure because that was literally <laughs> the most invested I've ever been in an NFL football game. Oh yeah. Um, it's... I've always just been like an extremely casual fan, borderline not fan at all. Actually more of that than anything else of the yeah. NFL. Yeah. But I was like jumping up and down and running around my living room watching that game. Yeah. Like it was know, awesome. I have been pledged to the Browns for about five years now, I think. Um, and didn't you, didn't you pledge to them right after they drafted Johnny football? I did pledge them right after they, uh, drafted Johnny okay. Football, so this is a good catharsis, because for the most part, my Browns fandom has sort of manifested itself in like hoping that the NFL like stops and their suffering ceases. Like, um, and it was fun right. to be legitimately happy and hopeful and excited about what was happening in a football game that the Cleveland Browns were playing. Um, the energy that Baker brought is unlike really anything I had seen at a Browns game in a very long time. Um, and you could just... That help. was honestly unlike anything I had seen in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Like, 
people were just so excited and it was god i like i have to talk about like the grand narrative of baker mayfield and how he clashes with the nfl um with the product the nfl sells itself as um but like just the total surrendering to creativity and possibility and the you know the joy of play in a game um it was just a total reversal of the Cleveland Browns as a factory of sadness and the NFL as a joyless place where dreams die and only precision machinery scores points. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to to watch him play more. I was always kind of on the and I tweeted after this game like I would like to redact this statement, but I was I was on the sit Baker train for, you know, even oh, yeah. maybe this entire year mm-hmm. just because I thought there was a lot of good, like, I just, I don't want to rush any rookie quarterback into a situation that mm-hmm. they aren't going to be able to be successful in. And I just didn't look at the Browns offense as something that I thought was, you know, something <laughs> that he would succeed in. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's going to have tough times. Like there's going to be rough weeks for him ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think he definitely showed, like, he's already better than Tyrod Taylor. Like, he just is. Yeah. You know, well, like, it, it's was, not, it was kind of incredible. You know, he just the way, like. Yeah. When he, like, like, Baker had a few incompletions because he threw the ball too good, right? And I had also right. forgotten yeah. how good he was at passing a football. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> like, really good. Well, just the anticipation that he showed on some yeah. of his passes. Like, Tyrod Taylor is definitely a guy that, like, he likes to hold the ball until a guy is open mm-hmm. and Baker was like putting it through these tight little windows and just yeah. like throwing guys open just stuff that they are not used to. And so that's, I mean, that's going to be another adjustment for that entire offense. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed after the game where Hugh Jackson was like, well, I have to go back and watch the film, <laughs> you know, to determine who the starting quarterback yeah. is. People freaked out about it. They were like, "That's why the Browns are the worst organization of football." It's like, well, you know, actually, and I was guys, like, "Come on, yeah, maybe it's maybe the Browns have a team captain who's concussed right now, so they don't want to like announce on national yeah. television that he lost his job." Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to be a dick to Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor seems like a really good teammate. Like he yeah. seemed like the perfect guy. He really took Baker under his wing and did what a veteran quarterback is supposed to do in that situation. So you don't want to be an ass to that guy. Yeah. And with some better kicking, like the Browns could be three and O right now with Tyrod. Like, yeah, well, they would have been two and O with Tyrod. Well, yeah, they would have been two and O headed in. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And they might be three and O if they had started Baker the entire time. Yeah. you know, maybe Baker probably learned quite a bit in those first couple games, you know, so I'm fine with it. I'm also really, really excited to watch him play. Mm-hmm. I'm unreasonably excited about the Browns Chiefs game oh because my God. have yes. you had the chance to watch the Chiefs yet this year? They're incredible, and they're they they are they are in very similar mold of what you were talking about in that they are not typical NFL like they're fun yeah Yeah. you know like they just put up points like their defense isn't that good but they put up a lot of points and Pat Mahomes is like pretty much I every you know he's not everything Baker is but he is you know he does things in kind of a similar way like Like, the play will break down 
and he has more arm talent than Baker does. Like he's got a stronger arm. He can make throws from like super weird angles. Like he's a freak. Yeah. Um, and he's been, he's been super fun. I'm really pissed because I really wanted him to, I really wanted to draft him in my fantasy league. Yeah. But I was like, I can get him in the next round. I'm going to wait one more round to draft Pat Mahomes. And I missed him. <laughs> so I could have Pat Mahomes. Instead I have Dak Prescott. So that was stupid. <laughs> Uh, I still uh, have Jared. I did draft. However, I did draft Baker in, with my last pick, so I'm probably just going to drop Dak Prescott and go with Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield. So that's you your, <laughs> that's my fantasy team update. <laughs> All right. Draft Todd Gurley is my official fantasy advice. Yeah, is that the name of your team? If you want to win. Todd Gurley? Is it Draft Todd Gurley? Or Draft Todd Gurley? No, it does include Todd Gurley, and I also have a the receiver named Cooper Cup. So you can probably imagine what my fantasy okay. team's name okay. is. So, all right. Uh, uh, do we have Cooper Cup been super productive already? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, since my beloved Oklahoma State Cowboys had a bye week this week, we don't need to talk about them. Yep, sure did. So, yep. Speaking of uh, Pat um, Mahomes, um, yeah, and Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Oklahoma State back in action this next week. I don't know who they play. I think maybe Kansas. So they'll continue to yeah, extend their keep, undefeated they'll just keep undefeated rolling, season. Huh? Yeah, three and <laughs> what are they gonna yeah, three and oh or four and oh now after they beat Kansas. So um oh, da- Daxton Hill really disappointed me. He committed to Michigan. Michigan. I don't know, I guess he's gonna go he hang out with your best friend though. He's gonna go hang out. It's with true. Jim. I do love. I love some Jim Harbaugh, but yeah, he just didn't want the pressure of having to live up to Justice's expectations. I get it, you know. So, I think it's kind of a weak move, and it kind of shows you that Dax Hill is a weak-minded individual. <laughs> okay. But you know, he can go up there. He can be cold in the winters. So yeah. All right. What do we have? What else do we have? Um, I think that's probably good. Alabama's a freaking Death Star. Like yeah. they're ridiculous. Um, okay, real quick. Sorry. One last thing I was thinking about. I was watching Georgia play Missouri this week. Yeah. And first of all, Missouri should have won the freaking game. Like, just straight <laughs> up. Missouri had some of the dumbest mistakes I've ever seen. Like, I think they had a fumble that Georgia returned for a touchdown. They had a really bad interception that hit a guy in the hands that Georgia returned inside the 10-yard line. And they had a block punt that Georgia scored a touchdown off of, mm-hmm. all in the first half. And they, uh, their offense, other than that, played great. Like, they moved the ball every possession. They were running the ball really well. And it was just stupid mistakes that kept them from having a chance. Um, I And what made me think about this is that you're talking about how Iowa State's offense is kind of a guys being dudes at times. That is literally Georgia's offense. Yeah. Like, except for their guys are dudes. Like, they're ridiculous athletes. Yeah. But that is what they do. There is nothing complex about what they do. Like, they run the ball. They, you know, put pressure on your edge guys because their offensive tackles are massive human beings. Mm -hmm. And their running backs are fast. And then they'll throw it up to Riley Ridley and he'll go get it, you know. And Miko Hardman is a ridiculously fast person, so. Um, I don't know. That's just my my thoughts on Georgia. They're pretty ridiculous, but <laughs> they probably should have lost to Missouri. Yeah. Um, all right. 
I think with that, we're going to leave you all um, to later in the week when we preview this, the, the Clash of Titans that will be Oklahoma versus Baylor. Um, all right, thanks for listening. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi and at Alex P. Purdy. If you enjoy the podcast, leave us a review or share it with a friend. Um, we always love to grow our listener base and let more people know about how Mike Stoops should be fired. Um, and that'll do it for this episode.